Welcome to the meeting today. The Bible says it's the entrance of God's word that brings light. So every time you subject yourself to the word of God, the light of God will spring up in your life and you'll be able to get direction on issues that you're not sure about. I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's the word that is our solution. It's the word that gives us our way out. And so as you come on board today, I pray, be blessed as you open your heart to receive God's word in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus, we honor and give thanks to your name today. We thank you that, Father, you always instruct us from your word. You always speak to us from your word. And today, God, I pray, let faith be lifted up today by reason of your word being ministered. And I ask, oh, Father, that because of your word and because of faith, your people's lives will be transformed, will be changed for your glory. Father, we commit this meeting. We commit our entire selves to you. We pray have your way and glorify yourself in our midst. 
And we thank you and bless you because we pray all this trusting in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak on the subject. Today I want to speak on the subject upholding instruction because the difference between us and getting a blessing or getting a breakthrough from God is an instruction. An instruction. God just simply speaks to us and asks us to take up instructions. That's how he led Israel in the wilderness. He led them through instructions. And so long as Israel obeyed what God wanted, they saw the hand of God in their lives. As a matter of fact, the reason Israel failed to enter into the land of Canaan was because they failed to obey an instruction. And sometimes that is our problem, having instruction in our lives. Instruction is something Jesus urges us to uphold in our lives. The Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, if anyone will hear my word and do it, he shall be like a man who built his house on the rock. And when the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house, it did not fall because it was founded upon a rock. Then he says, if anyone does not hear my words and does not do them, he is like a man who put his house upon sand. So when the winds came and beat against that house, that house fell because it was not founded, it was founded on sand, it was not founded on a rock. Simply what Jesus says, instruction is your rock. Instruction is what will uphold you and get you to where God wants you to get. Somebody once said that we are just a decision away from entering into that what God wants us to do. And also, we've learned from the word that sometimes all it needs you to do is get back to the crossroads. The Bible says so in the book of Jeremiah. If you've made a wrong turn, just go back to where you found you had made the wrong turn and correct things from there. Let me say this, that as a way of testimony, that recently my wife and I had made a decision, and it was a, it was a godly decision. It was a decision that looked completely right. And we decided to venture into something that we had not been doing before. Let me say we are venturing into new ground. It looked okay, it looked right, but because of that decisions, we just noticed that spiritually things had gone haywire. Things were not as before. We were not like flowing with God the way we felt we should flow with him. So we stopped before it went on too long, and we asked ourselves, what could have happened? And I told, I remember hearing a man of God say that when things are not going the way you should, like now, for example, if you had a precedent where things were working for you, and then all of a sudden they stopped working the way you felt they should work, the man of God says, go back to your last instruction. Go back to where you obeyed last. Go back to what you are doing that was right and adjust things from there. So I just simply told my wife, I believe this decision we've made is not the correct one. It's not the one God wants us to make. Why don't we do things the way we've been doing them before? And let me tell you, when we made the adjustment and continued as before, following the former instruction, things just went back to what we knew they were supposed to be like. And I bless God for that because I learned a lesson that instruction 
is what takes you to your blessing. Instruction is what builds you. Instruction is what you should move forward with. Now, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, and verse 13, let me read it. This is what it says. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. The New King James Version would put it like this. Take firm hold of instruction. Keep her, for she is your life. The Bible says take firm hold of instruction. And it says why? It is your life. Your life is the sum total of the instructions you've been taking. Your life is the sum total of the instructions you've been taking. Guess what? If you've not been taking the correct instructions and the right ones that God would want you to take, your life still is the sum total of those instructions. If you have grown and you're, you're growing up spiritually and moving with God the way you feel you should move, your life is still the sum total of those inst of, of instructions. It is instructions that God tells the children of Israel to take hold of. He says, if you're willing and you obey, in the book of Isaiah chapter 1, he says, you shall eat the good of the land. Instruction is what makes you see good. And today I just wanted to focus on that and speak about that because as much as it may look like a small thing, it's a critical part in a Christian's life. Instruction. So we have to uphold instruction. And the first thing I want to say is what the Bible says here, take hold of instruction. Take hold. Now that word, when you look at it in the Hebrew, this is the meaning it gives you. It says, take hold means to be. It means it's talking about a progressive thing. It talks about continuation. It says, take hold. It says, grow firm. It means get stronger in instruction. And the other word for it is strengthen, strengthen instruction. So as you see, it's not a static thing. It's not a word that is stated. It's a word that is progressive. It's a word that assumes continuity. So when it says talk, take hold, it's not talking about take hold and freeze, but it's talking about a continuation process. It's talking about you becoming good at receiving instructions. I learned long in my life that it's important to be good at receiving instructions. You remember even when you're young, you're being told you cannot have an attitude when you've been given instruction. The idea is our parents or our teachers or people in authority of our lives were trying to get us to a place where there is, we have continuity. We are growing in the art of taking instruction because instruction is what was going to change us. Instruction was what was going to shape us into what we are supposed to become. So take hold, continue being firm, continue being strong in the, in the I don't know if I would call it the art or in, the, in obedience, in learning to take instruction. That's the, what the Bible is encouraging us to do. Now, taking art, as I said, is a process. Taking hold, rather, said it's a process because it assumes uh, strengthening. It it's, it's assumes that we have to continue uh, uh, doing what we are doing. We have to be strong. Now, in the book of Psalms, chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, he that uh, does not stand, does not walk with sinners, does not stand with scoffers, does not sit 
in the scene of the seat of the scornful. He shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water. And, and, and uh, if, if he meditates, the Bible says if he continues to meditate on God's law, or, or rather, uh, it, the Bible also talks there in Psalms 1 about meditation. You know, the art of meditating. Now, notice what also Joshua was told in the book of Joshua by God. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do what is written upon it. And then he says, it shall make your way prosperous, and you shall have good success. He says, you shall meditate on it day and night. Joshua was told so. And this is what we have to do, child of God. We take the word of God and we begin to meditate on it. Now, meditation, uh, I learned that meditation is not what other religions or Eastern religions do. Meditation has to do with taking the word of God and rolling it over your mind and thinking about that word of God. As a matter of fact, that word meditation when it's translated, it talks about muttering. So it's, it's like taking the word of God, putting it in your mouth, and, and just rehearsing the word of God in your life, rehearsing it. And when it becomes a part of you, that word of God begins to change you. And in that way, you are assuming or you're strengthening instruction in your life. The Bible also speaks like this and, and tells us that in the book of Romans, chapter 2, or 12, verse 2, that we should not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can prove the will of God. You see, what Romans, chapter 12, verse 2 is telling us is that the will of God can be proved to work of a certain situation. It can be proved. So if your life is at variance with the word of God, then what you need to do is take that word of God and begin to matter it and to begin to speak it. Once it becomes a part of you, speak it over that situation that you want to change for God's glory, that you want to reflect God. And as you continue to matter and speak over it and begin to believe it, then your life will be changed. That part of your life will change and it will begin to glorify God. Whether it's a troublesome child, whether it is, any situation you love, a work-related situation, whatever it is, you can speak God's word and change it by reason of just meditating on the word and, and taking that right word and speaking about it. And, and, and when you speak that word and reflect it, then that word begins to become a reality in your life and it will change that place that you want God to touch in your life. So take hold. Continue being strengthened. Continue being firm in taking instruction. Continue being strong in applying the word of God in your life. And it will bring change in the place where you, you're craving for that change. So take hold is the first thing we see the scripture speaking to us about. But then the second thing that the scripture speaks to us about, it says, keep her. It says, take firm hold of instruction. Then secondly, it says, keep her. Keep instruction. Now that word has got the meaning of don't allow her to move or slip out of your grasp. Keep her. Keep a guard over her. Watch over instruction in your life. Because that's one of the things that we, 
just let go so lightly because if it's our life, then we have to keep up, take hold of instruction. And in this case, I'm just talking about our attitude towards receiving what is being spoken to us about. He says that attitude should be right. That attitude should be the one that embraces, that says, this is good for me. I'm going to keep it. So in other words, when it's not favorable towards you, you're still saying, I will keep it. I will have the right attitude and I'll try to go in the direction that I'm being pointed out. Let me tell you, child of God, that one of the most difficult things to do is to come from the place of correction or come from a place of chastisement. As a matter of fact, let me say, it is much easier to obey an instruction than to come from a place of chastisement. So don't wait for chastisement to come. Then you say, I'll obey. But rather choose to obey before chastisement comes. And that's why I'm saying our attitude has got to be correct towards this thing. Because sometimes instruction will come that is so difficult for you to obey. It is so hard for you to take all of it and say, I'll run with this instruction. But you see, when, when we don't obey instruction, what normally happens is that chastisement comes in because God loves you as his child. The Bible says he will chastise him that he loves. So if God loves you, expect chastisement. And if uh, expect chastisement if you don't follow instruction. Expect that something is going to happen to you if you don't follow instruction. Now notice the, the, the kind of pain or the kind of difficulty Israel had to go to. God intended that they just take 11 days from Egypt into the promised land. But because of their attitude towards taking instruction, because they were not used to taking instruction, what happened? They went on complaining. They went on frustrating Moses until God decided, okay, let me take you into the wilderness. 40 years later is when they entered into the promised land. Look at the pain that they had to go through to get into that which God had promised them. It would have been much easier to obey rather than to come from a place of chastisement in order for you to enter the promise. Learn to obey quickly. When you learn to obey quickly, child of God, it will change your life. I was reading a, a, a story about uh, the medieval, medieval England or England in the Middle Ages. And I was seeing how they would chastise somebody who would enter into adultery. And it was amazing. And I was saying all this because somebody broke an instruction. All this because somebody went, you know, against the law. Of course, the law has been abolished. But what they said is that I believe it's King Henry who, 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 who abolished it, actually. He's the one who abolished it. But there was a law, there was a king who had put this law in place. The law said that if you are an adulterer and they're giving a true story of a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And you see, in the Bible, Jesus was very gracious to the woman. But in England, and they tried to copy some of those laws in the, in the, in the, from the Bible, this lady was told to go to church. And when she went to church, they had a rod of iron, which they, they, they heated up before the bishop. And they made it become red hot. Then they told the woman to stretch her hands and get hold of the iron, the red hot iron. And if she was able to, and she was supposed to walk actually nine uh, steps with that uh, rod of iron in her hand. 
And but they allowed her also that uh, she could just take the nine steps, take large stripes, three large stripes to finish the nine steps. And when she finished the nine steps, they would remove the rod of iron from her hand. Now, guess what? They say that when they saw how healing was taking place in her hand, the place that they had scalded with that uh, red hot iron, they looked at her hand and they said, if healing was going to take place quickly because it was done in a church, then God was gracious to her and God had forgiven her. But if there was a problem with the wound getting healed, then they would know that she's guilty. Now just think about that. All because of instruction. And the point is, the lady would have avoided all that if she had simply taken instruction. There is a price sometimes that is high to pay for instruction that we don't have to go into child of God. All we need to do is obey God and move into the place that God wants us to be in, in Jesus' name. Thirdly, and, and I want to uh, probably conclude by this, he says, take hold of instruction, keep her, and says, do not let her go, for she is your life. In other words, when he says, do not let her go, he says, do not relax. Do not let your hand sleep from instruction. Hold firm to instruction, for she is your life. I remember a story also that reminds me of how good it is to just hold firm instruction, how to hold good firm hold of instruction. One time my dad and I were crossing a river in the rural areas, and it had just been pouring, and the river had uh, kind of swollen to its banks and then went back to probably a midstream, uh, you know, uh, a midstream, uh, what would I call it? It was not too full, or rather, it was not overflowing as it was. So what used to happen with that river is that there was a place that there was a lot of sand, and that sand could be very deceptive. And I remember my dad pointing to me, because when the sun comes out and dries the top of the sand, it looks very safe. You can jump across. My dad told me, when I was just about to jump, he told me, be careful, that is sinking sand. And as a boy, you know, you think, ah, you know, I can handle this. I'm not too heavy. I can jump across the river and go. I didn't take hold of instruction. And here I came running and I jumped. And I'm telling you, there is nothing so scary like being in sinking mud or sand. Because I felt myself going down, down and down and down. It was scary, child of God, very, very scary. But somehow I managed to pull myself up and get out of that place. I don't know how I did it, but it was by some kind of, you know, help from my dad. I was able to get out of that place. But I remember how deceptive that sound looked and how harmless it looked on the top because it had been dried by some kind of sand. And let me tell you, that's also how instruction looks. Instruction looks so harmless. It looks like something you can just overlook and you'll be fine. It looks like something you can neglect and you can be fine. But let me tell you, instruction carries with it consequences that if we neglect or overlook can really uh, cause a lot of harm in our lives. Think about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God comes and tells them, hey, of the trees, you can eat of anything in this garden, but of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, do not eat. And what does, uh, that's what Genesis 3.3 tells us. But what do they do? 
they go ahead and go against what God has instructed. You know, they are told, the moment you eat, you shall surely die. You shall surely die. Now, we know this, the, this, the scriptures and, prob and what it implies. God was talking about spiritually, them dying immediately. And they affected the whole of humanity because of their lack of a proper attitude towards instruction. Their lack of keeping firm hold of instruction. They affected people that they didn't even know would come through their lineage. We are suffering today the consequences of them not taking instruction. But think about what God says. The moment you shall eat, you shall surely die. It's like a death process is initiated. Is initiated the moment you disobey. The moment instruction is overlooked, something happens. Something takes place in the spirit that you may not even be seeing in the physically, but something takes place that begins that a process that affects you begin in the spirit. And you may not even see the manifestation. That is the thing with spiritual matters. You may not see the manifestation immediately, but that is not to say nothing has taken place. And sometimes because of that, we tend to overlook instruction. We tend to take lightly the instructions that are put across to us. Today, child of God, I believe the challenge to us is can we take instruction? Are we good at taking instruction? Can we lay firm hold of instruction and the things that are kind of dying in our lives because of not, of not being good at taking instruction are reversed and we begin to get strong and we begin to change our lives by reason of taking instruction. I always admire Peter. You know, one of my favorite stories is when Jesus told him as, as, as the winds were lifting up the seas and the, and the, and the waves were, were, were boisterous, Peter was asked by Jesus to just come. And without thinking, without even blinking an eye, the man had put his foot out into the sea. He had asked Jesus. He was not sure it was Jesus. Lord, if, if it is you, bid me to come. If. But Jesus, on that word, come, Peter just stepped out, went out into the sea. And guess what? He didn't. He didn't wait to discover whether it was Jesus or not. He decided, let me obey. Let me test and see whether this is really God's word. So hesitation sometimes to obey God makes us not see God. It makes us not see the wonders of God in our lives. The moment he obeyed and stepped out by that word, guess what? He discovered that the sea can become solid for him. When everyone else is afraid, he found he could walk on the water. And that's what God wants us to do. God wants us to take instructions that are going to cause us to walk above our circumstances. And everyone is wondering, how is Bob doing it? They discover that it's because they're walking according to the instruction of God. So my challenge to you as I wound up today is take hold of instruction. Do not let her go. Let instruction guide your life. Let instruction build you. Be good and be quick at taking God's instruction and begin to change your life, not on the physical plane, but begin to transform things on the spiritual and then they'll manifest on the physical for God's glory. Let me pray as I wind up right now. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I honor and give thanks to you. Thank you for your word 
Thank you for what you've spoken to us about instruction. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that you'll continue to teach us, you'll continue to lift us up, you'll continue to glorify yourself in our lives, even as we follow after instruction. Today, Father, I pray that in areas that we've neglected to follow instruction, you're going to point that to us, and you're going to lead us to correct things. You're going to take us back to the crossroads that we may make things right and follow the path that you've ordained for us. And Father, even as you do that, we will praise you and we will thank you because we prayed all this, trusting in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Joshua. Let's back up and remember the story so far. So God chose Abraham and then his family became the people of Israel who are then enslaved down in Egypt. And so through Moses, God rescued Israel out of Egypt. He made a covenant with them at Mount Sinai, and he brought them through the wilderness. So Israel then camped outside the promised land, and Moses called them to obey God's commands so that they could show all the other nations what God is like. The book of Joshua picks up right after Moses has died, and Israel's ready to enter the land. So the story of Joshua is designed with four main movements. Joshua first leads Israel into the promised land, and then once they're there, they meet all this hostility from the Canaanites, and so they engage them in battle. Then after their victories, Joshua divides up the promised land as the inheritance for the 12 tribes, and then the book concludes with these final speeches that Joshua gives to the people. So let's dive in and we'll see how all of it flows together. The first section begins with Moses' death, and Joshua is appointed as Israel's new leader. And the author intentionally presents Joshua as a new Moses. So like Moses, Joshua calls the people to obey the Torah, which means the covenant commands that they were given at Mount Sinai. And then Joshua sends spies into the land, just as Moses did back in Numbers chapters 13 and 14, except it goes way better this time. In fact, even some Canaanites turn and follow the God of Israel. Joshua then leads all Israel across the Jordan River and into the land. Just like the sea parted for Moses in the Exodus, so here the river Jordan parts and the priests carry the Ark of the Covenant across, leading all Israel with them. Now, in chapter 5, the story transitions. So the people look back to their roots as God's covenant people, and so the new generation is circumcised and they celebrate their first Passover in the land. But then they turn and prepare to go forward. And Joshua has this crazy encounter with a mysterious warrior who, it turns out, is the angelic commander of God's army. And Joshua asks, are you for us or are you for our enemies? And the warrior responds, neither. Which shows that the real question here is whether Joshua is on God's side. It makes clear that this whole story is not about Israel versus the Canaanites. Rather, this is God's battle. And Israel is going to play the role of spectators or sometimes supporters in God's plan which leads to the next section. We find stories about all these conflicts that Israel had with different Canaanite groups. And the first part retells the story of two battles in detail. And that's followed by a series of short stories that condense years of battles into a few brief summaries. So the first two battles are against Jericho and then Ai. And they offer these contrasting portraits of God's faithfulness versus Israel's failure. 
At Jericho, Israel is to take a completely passive approach. So they let God's presence in the ark lead them around the city to music for six days. And just like Rahab turned to the God of Israel, maybe the people of Jericho would do the same, but they don't. And so on the seventh day, the priests blow the trumpets and the walls come falling down, leading Israel to victory. The point of the story is that God is the one who will deliver his people. Israel simply needs to trust and wait. Now, the next story of the battle at Ai makes the opposite point. So there's this Israelite named Achan, and he steals from Jericho some of the devoted goods that were to belong to God alone, and then he lies about it. It's a pretty lame move after all that God has done for Israel. And so Israel goes into battle with the city of Ai, and they're totally defeated. And it's only after humble repentance and severely dealing with Achan's sin that Israel gains victory. And so together, these two stories, they're placed right up front to make an important point. If Israel is going to inherit the land, they have to be obedient and trust in God's commands. They don't get special treatment. Now, the second part of this section begins with the Gibeonites, a Canaanite people group, and they do just what Rahab did as they turn to follow the God of Israel and they make peace with Israel. This is in contrast to all of these other Canaanite kings who start to form alliances and coalitions and they want to destroy Israel. So Israel engages them in battle and they win by a landslide. And so this whole section concludes with this summary list of all of these victories won by Moses and then by Joshua. Now, let's stop for a second because odds are that these stories and the violence in them, they're going to bother you. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you're bound to wonder, like, didn't Jesus say to love your enemies? Why is God declaring war here? So first, why the Canaanites? The main reasons are actually given earlier in the biblical story. It's that the culture of the Canaanites had become extremely morally corrupt, especially when it comes to sex. Go check out Leviticus chapter 18. And they also widely practice child sacrifice. Go see Deuteronomy chapter 12. And so God didn't want these practices to influence Israel. The Canaanites had to go. Which raises the second question. Did God actually command the destruction of all the Canaanites like a genocide? So at first glance, you know, you look at the phrases used in these stories. They totally destroyed them. They left no survivor or anything that breathed. But when you look a second time more closely, you'll see that these phrases are clearly hyperbole and not literal. So go back to the original command about the Canaanites in Deuteronomy chapter 7. Israel is first told to drive out the Canaanites, but then to totally destroy them. And then that's followed by commands to not intermarry with them or enter into business deals with them. So you can't marry someone that you've destroyed. I think you get the point. The same idea applies to the stories in Joshua. Look closely. So for example, we're told in Joshua chapter 10 that Israel left no survivors in the cities of Hebron or Debir. But then later in chapter 15, we see these towns and they're still populated by Canaanites. And so what we're seeing is that Joshua fits in with other ancient battle accounts by using non-literal hyperbolic language as part of the narrative style. 
And so the word genocide doesn't actually fit what we see here, especially in light of the stories about the Canaanites who did turn to the God of Israel, like Rahab or the Gibeonites. God was open to those who would turn to him. The last thing to think about is that these stories mark a unique moment in Israel's history. These battles were limited to the handful of people groups living in the land of Canaan. With all other nations, Israel was commanded by God to pursue peace. Go read Deuteronomy chapter 20. So the purpose of these battle stories was never to tell you, the reader, to go commit violence in God's name. Rather, they show God bringing his justice on human evil at a unique moment in history and how he delivered Israel from being annihilated by the Canaanites. Now, let's go back to the book's design. After years of battles, we see an aging Joshua, and he starts dividing up the land for the 12 tribes of Israel. And most of this section is like lists of boundary lines. And let's be honest, it's kind of boring. It's like reading a map that has no pictures. But for the Israelites, these lists were super important. This was the fulfillment of God's ancient promises to Abraham that his descendants would inherit the promised land. And so now it was all coming to pass right down to the detail, which leads to the final section. Joshua gives two speeches to the people that are very similar to the final speeches of Moses in Deuteronomy. Joshua reminds them of God's generosity, how he brought them into the land and rescued them from the Canaanites. And so he calls them to turn away from the Canaanite gods and be faithful to the covenant they made. If they do, it will lead to life and blessing in the land. But if they're unfaithful, Israel will call down on itself the same divine judgment that the Canaanites experienced. They'll be kicked off the land into exile. And so Joshua leaves Israel with a choice. What is Israel going to do? That's the big question that looms as the story ends, and that's the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, 
that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you, wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves. For within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed, all your mighty men of valor, and help them until the Lord has given your brethren rest, as he gave you, and they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side of the Jordan toward the sunrise. So they answered Joshua, All that you command us we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you, as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words, in all that you command him, shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly. Go, view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab. Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut, when it was dark that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof, and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. 
Then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan, to the fords. And as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. Our lives for yours, if none of you tell this business of ours. And it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall, and she said to them, Get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. We will be blameless of this oath of yours which you have made us swear, unless... When we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home, so it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath which you made us swear. According to your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. And she bound the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went to the mountain and stayed there three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them all along the way, but did not find them. So the two men returned, descended from the mountain, and crossed over 
And they came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him all that had befallen them. Truly, the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands. For indeed, all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was, after three days, that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites, and the Hivites, and the Perizzites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. So it was, when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan, with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the waters which came down from the upstream stood still, and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zeratan. So the waters that went down into the Sea of Araba, the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho.
Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua. Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood. And they are there to this day. So the priests who bore the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. And the people hurried and crossed over. Then it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over, that the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people. And the men of Reuben, the men of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh crossed over armed before the children of Israel, as Moses had spoken to them. About 40,000 prepared for war crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him, as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, Command the priests who bear the Ark of the Testimony to come up from the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, Come up from the Jordan. And it came to pass, 
when the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet touched the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place, and overflowed all its banks as before. the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal, on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So it was, when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over, that their heart melted. And there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised. But all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked forty years in the wilderness, till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed, because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua circumcised their sons, whom he raised up in their place for they were uncircumcised, because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was, when they had finished circumcising all the people, that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the fourteenth day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho.
and they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. What does my Lord say to his servant? Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Then Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city, and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. So it was, when Joshua had spoken to the people, that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests, who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people, You shall not shout, or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth, until the day I say to you, Shout! Then! You shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city, going around it once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. 
Then, seven priests, bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord, went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them. But the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only, they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, Shout! For the Lord has given you the city. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction. It and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all who are with her in the house. Because she hid the messengers that we sent. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house, and from there bring out the woman and all that she has, as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day, because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Then. Joshua charged them at that time, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout all the country. But the children of Israel committed a trespass 
regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon, on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not let all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about three thousand men went up there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about thirty-six men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Shebarim, and struck them down on the descent. Therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? To deliver us into the hand of the Amorites? To destroy us? Oh, that we have been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. O oh Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it, and surround us, and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? Get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things, and have both stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own staff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you any more, unless you destroy the accursed from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to families, and the family which the Lord takes shall come by households, and the household which the Lord takes shall come man by man. Then it shall be that he who is taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord. 
and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. He brought the clan of Judah, and he took the family of the Zahites, and he brought the family of the Zahites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. Then he brought his household man by man, and Achan the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Now Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession to him. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, two hundred shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing fifty shekels, I coveted them and took them, and there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent, with the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was, hidden in his tent, with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Then they raised over him a great heap of stones still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you, and arise. Go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Lay an ambush for the city behind it. So Joshua arose, and all the people of war, to go up against Ai. And Joshua chose thirty thousand mighty men of valor, and sent them away by night. And he commanded them, Behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city, behind the city. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you be ready. 
Then I and all the people who are with me will approach the city, and it will come about, when they come out against us, as at the first, that we shall flee before them. For they will come out after us till we have drawn them from the city, for they will say, They are fleeing before us, as at the first. Therefore, we will flee before them. Then you shall rise from the ambush and seize the city, for the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it will be, when you have taken the city, that you shall set the city on fire. According to the commandment of the Lord, you shall do. See, I have commanded you. Joshua therefore sent them out, and they went to lie in ambush, and stayed between Bethel and Ai, on the west side of Ai. But Joshua lodged that night among the people. Then Joshua rose up early in the morning, and mustered the people, and went up, he and the elders of Israel, before the people, to Ai. And all the people of war who were with him went up and drew near. And they came before the city and camped on the north side of Ai. Now a valley lay between them and Ai. So he took about five thousand men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the city. And when they had set the people, all the army that was on the north of the city and its rear guard on the west of the city, Joshua went that night into the midst of the valley. Now it happened, when the king of Ai saw it, that the men of the city hurried and rose early and went out against Israel to battle, he and all his people, at an appointed place before the plain. But he did not know that there was an ambush against him behind the city. And Joshua and all Israel made as if they were beaten before them and fled by way of the wilderness. So all the people who were in Ai were called together to pursue them. And they pursued Joshua and were drawn away from the city. There was not a man left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel. So they left the city open and pursued Israel. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the spear that is in your hand toward Ai for I will give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that was in his hand toward the city. So those in ambush arose quickly out of their place. They ran as soon as he had stretched out his hand, and they entered the city and took it, and hurried to set the city on fire. And when the men of Ai looked behind them, they saw, and behold, the smoke of the city ascended to heaven. So they had no power to flee this way or that way, and the people who had fled to the wilderness turned back on the pursuers. Now when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and that the smoke of the city ascended, they turned back and struck down the men of Ai. Then the others came out of the city against them, so they were caught in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side. And they struck them down, so that they let none of them remain or escape. But the king of Ai they took alive, and brought him to Joshua. And it came to pass, 
when Israel had made an end of slaying all the inhabitants of Ai in the field, in the wilderness where they pursued them, and when they all had fallen by the edge of the sword until they were consumed, that all the Israelites returned to Ai and struck it with the edge of the sword. So it was that all who fell that day, both men and women, were twelve thousand, all the people of Ai. For Joshua did not draw back his hand, with which he stretched out the spear, until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Only the livestock and the spoil of that city Israel took as booty for themselves, according to the word of the Lord, which he had commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai and made it a heap forever, a desolation to this day. And the king of Ai, he hanged on a tree until evening. And as soon as the sun was down, Joshua commanded that they should take his corpse down from the tree, cast it at the entrance of the gate of the city, and raise over it a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Now Joshua built an altar to the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children of Israel. As it is written in the book of the Lord of Moses, an altar of whole stones over which no man has wielded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there, in the presence of the children of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. Then all Israel, with their elders and officers and judges, stood on either side of the ark before the priests, the Levites, who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the stranger as well as he who was born among them. Half of them were in front of Mount Gerizim, and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded before, that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel, with the women, the little ones, and the strangers who were living among them. And it came to pass, when all the kings who were on this side of the Jordan, in the hills and in the lowland, and in all the coasts of the great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, heard about it, that they gathered together to fight with Joshua and Israel with one accord. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they worked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors. And they took old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins torn and mended, old and patched sandals on their feet, and old garments on themselves. And all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal, and said to him and to the men of Israel, 
We have come from a far country. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. Then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you dwell among us. So how can we make a covenant with you? But they said to Joshua, We are your servants. And Joshua said to them, Who are you, and where do you come from? From a very far country your servants have come, because of the name of the Lord your God. For we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who was at Ashtaroth. Therefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, saying, Take provisions with you for the journey, and go to meet them, and say to them, We are your servants. Now therefore make a covenant with us. This bread of ours we took hot for our provision from our houses on the day we departed to come to you. But now look, it is dry and moldy, and these wineskins which we filled were new, and see, they are torn. And these, our garments and our sandals have become old because of the very long journey. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live, and the rulers of the congregation swore to them. And it happened at the end of three days, after they had made a covenant with them, that they heard that they were their neighbors who dwelt near them. Then the children of Israel journeyed and came to their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon, Kephira, Beerath, and Kirjath Jearim. But the children of Israel did not attack them, because the rulers of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. And all the congregation complained against the rulers. Then all the rulers said to all the congregation, We have sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. Now therefore we may not touch them. This we will do to them. We will let them live, lest wrath be upon us because of the oath which we swore to them. Let them live, but let them be woodcutters and water carriers for all the congregation, as the rulers had promised them. Then Joshua called for them, and he spoke to them. Why have you deceived us, saying we are very far from you, when you dwell near us? Now, therefore, you are cursed, and none of you shall be freed from being slaves, woodcutters and water carriers for the house of my God. Because your servants were clearly told that the Lord your God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you, Therefore we were very much afraid for our lives because of you, and have done this thing. And now, here we are in your hands. Do with us as it seems good and right to do to us. So he did to them, 
and delivered them out of the hand of the children of Israel so that they did not kill them. And that day Joshua made them woodcutters and water carriers for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord in the place which he would choose, even to this day. Now it came to pass when Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and its king, so he had done to Ai and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, that they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were mighty. Therefore Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hohan, king of Hebron, Hiram, king of Jarmuth, Jephiah, king of Lachish, and Deba, king of Eglah, saying, Come up to me and help me, that we may attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, gathered together and went up, they and all their armies, and camped before Gibeon, and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp at Gilgal, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly. Save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon chased them along the road that goes to Beth Horon, and struck them down as far as Azekah and Makeda. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Horon, that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that, before it or after it, that the Lord heeded the voice of a man. For the Lord fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned, and all Israel with him, to the camp at Gilgal. 
But these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in a cave at Makeda. And it was told Joshua, The five kings have been found hidden in the cave at Makeda. Roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. And do not stay there yourselves, but pursue your enemies and attack their rear guard. Do not allow them to enter their cities, for the Lord your God has delivered them into your hand. Then it happened, while Joshua and the children of Israel made an end of slaying them with a very great slaughter, till they had finished, that those who escaped entered fortified cities. And all the people returned to the camp to Joshua at Makeda in peace. No one moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. Then Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave, and bring out those five kings to me from the cave. And they did so, and brought out those five kings to him from the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglin. So it was, when they brought out those kings to Joshua, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with him, Come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and put their feet on their necks. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And afterward, Joshua struck them and killed them, and hanged them on five trees. And they were hanging on the trees until evening. So it was at the time of the going down of the sun that Joshua commanded, and they took them down from the trees, cast them into the cave where they had been hidden, and laid large stones against the cave's mouth, which remain until this very day. On that day, Joshua took Makeda and struck it and its king with the edge of the sword. He utterly destroyed them, all the people who were in it. He let none remain. He also did to the king of Makeda as he had done to the king of Jericho. Then Joshua passed from Makeda and all Israel with him to Libna, and they fought against Libna. And the Lord also delivered it and its king into the hand of Israel. He struck it and all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword. He let none remain in it, but did to its king as he had done to the king of Jericho. Then Joshua passed from Libna and all Israel with him to Lachish. And they encamped against it and fought against it. And the Lord delivered Lachish into the hand of Israel, who took it on the second day, and struck it and all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword, according to all that he had done to Libna. Then Huram, king of Giza, came up to help Lachish. And Joshua struck him and his people until he left him none remaining. From Lachish, Joshua passed to Eglon, and all Israel with him, and they encamped against it and fought against it.
they took it on that day and struck it with the edge of the sword. All the people who were in it, he utterly destroyed that day, according to all that he had done to Lachish. So Joshua went up from Eglon and all Israel with him to Hebron, and they fought against it. And they took it and struck it with the edge of the sword, its king, all its cities, and all the people who were in it. He left none remaining, according to all that he had done to Eglon, but utterly destroyed it and all the people who were in it. Then Joshua returned, and all Israel with him, to Deba, and they fought against it. And he took it and its king and all its cities. They struck them with the edge of the sword and utterly destroyed all the people who were in it. He left none remaining. As he had done to Hebron, so he did to Deba and its king, as he had done also to Libna and its king. So Joshua conquered all the land, the mountain country and the south and the lowland, and the wilderness slopes, and all their kings. He left none remaining, but utterly destroyed all that breathed, as the Lord God of Israel had commanded. And Joshua conquered them from Kadesh Barnea as far as Gaza, and all the country of Goshen, even as far as Gibeon. All these kings and their land Joshua took at one time, because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned, and all Israel with him, to the camp at Gilgal. And it came to pass, when Jabin, king of Hazor, heard these things, that he sent to Jobab, king of Maiden, to the king of Shimran, to the king of Akshaf, and to the kings who were from the north, in the mountains, in the plain south of Kinnarath, in the lowland, and in the heights of Dor, on the west, to the Canaanites in the east and in the west, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite in the mountains, and the Hivite below Hermon, in the land of Mizpah. So they went out, they and all their armies with them, as many people as the sand that is on the seashore in multitude, with very many horses and chariots. And when all these kings had met together, they came and camped together at the waters of Miran to fight against Israel. But the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid because of them. For tomorrow, about this time, I will deliver all of them slain before Israel. You shall hamstring their horses and burn their chariots with fire. So Joshua and all the people of war with him came against them suddenly by the waters of Miram, and they attacked them. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel, who defeated them and chased them to greater Sidon, to the brook Mizraphath and to the valley of Mizpah eastward. They attacked them until they left none of them remaining. So Joshua did to them as the Lord had told him. He hamstrung their horses and burned their chariots with fire. Joshua turned back at that time and took Hazel and struck its king with a sword, 
for Hazor was formerly the head of all those kingdoms. And they struck all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying them. There was none left breathing. Then he burned Hazor with fire. So all the cities of those kings and all their kings Joshua took and struck with the edge of the sword. He utterly destroyed them as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded. But as for the cities that stood on their mounds, Israel burned none of them, except Hazor only, which Joshua burned. And all the spoil of these cities and the livestock, the children of Israel took as booty for themselves. But they struck every man with the edge of the sword until they had destroyed them, and they left none breathing. As the Lord had commanded Moses, his servant, so Moses commanded Joshua, and so Joshua did. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. Thus Joshua took all this land, the mountain country, all the south, all the land of Goshen, the lowland, and the Jordan plain, the mountains of Israel and its lowlands, from Mount Halak and the ascent to Seir, even as far as Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon below Mount Hermon. He captured all their kings and struck them down and killed them. Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. There was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel except the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon. All the others they took in battle. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might utterly destroy them, and that they might receive no mercy, but that he might destroy them as the Lord had commanded Moses. And at that time Joshua came and cut off the Anakim from the mountains, from Hebron, from Deba, from Anab, from all the mountains of Judah, and from all the mountains of Israel, Joshua utterly destroyed them with their cities. None of the Anakim were left in the land of the children of Israel. They remained only in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashdod. So Joshua took the whole land, according to all that the Lord had said to Moses. And Joshua gave it as an inheritance to Israel, according to their divisions by their tribes. Then the land rested from war.
enough for us. Hallelujah. Here we go. Zigo yangu 
You are born. 